welcome to episode two of Stories from a Bar, a podcast of interesting conversations with interesting people from a bar. I'm your host, Chris Osborne, and joining me for this episode is an old pal of mine, Nathan Zazada. Hi, Bones. How are you? I'm fantastic, Nathan. How are you? So good. You just go right for it, huh? Just go I, right I, into that's, it. Yeah. That's how I roll, man. Uh, so this episode's coming to you from a bar called Hunters on Jay. I've only been here a handful of times, and i got to say my favorite thing about the place has been rolling the giant 12-sided Dungeons & Dragons die to decide what to drink because they have like 20 things on tap and the thing is literally the size of a baseball mm-hmm. and weighs just as much yep it's dense could bean somebody with it it doubles <laughs> as a self-defense device so I'd like to start out what are you drinking today I did no- you you rolled the die I rolled just the die. like I did I did it's number 11 bones I don't know what that means I think it's called speak kindly it's in a tiny glass so I assume that means it's stronger than a regular beer but uh, you're asking the wrong guy we can go look but I remember, I forgot what number I rolled, but it's called Two Tickets to Paradise, and it's sour. Oh, okay. Mine's sour, too. And Yours is red. It is Mine red. Mine is amber. So. And I am thoroughly enjoying it. I like the cider that I had prior, too. I'm a big cider guy lately. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You so did I'm start trying, out with a cider. Trying to transition away from shots. And, uh, you know, as adults, I feel everybody's enjoying these fancy beers, so... This comes in a fancy glass, which I'm not going to lie, it was intriguing. Mine tastes a little bit like a wine. But then again, most of the boozes that I drink, I don't necessarily like the taste. You know, like shots of tequila. Nobody does those because they like the way tequila tastes, you know? so I don't drink tequila because I like the taste. No, exactly. (laughs) But this is good. These are both nice. It is. So I definitely recommend coming here and rolling the die if you have the opportunity. Roll that die, baby. And one thing I want to ask you, my last name's Osborne, so I get... Of course, everyone outside of work calls me Ozzy or Oz. Mm-hmm. You have evolved that somehow. Oh, that's true. That's true. And I'm curious what the actual evolution was here, because we've known each other a while, and that's even true. I've lost track of it. Well, the way that these things work, remember, Osborne is actually your name, so um, I think the first iteration of it started calling you Osbones, just because it made sense at the time, and then Osbones was just shortened to Bones, and then Bonesy. Because I feel like Bonesy is a, a good name for like an old man, so it was very <laughs> incongruous. Hey, Bonesy! And then um, there's a Cat Stevens song. What like I think Moonshadow. I've been dreaming of a moonshadow. Well, they sing. I think. Cat, the only Cat Stevens song I can, doesn't he sing uh, "Hand in the Cradle"? Right? He sings a Cat Stevens sings a number of things. Yeah, well, yeah, clearly. This, yeah. But I'm pretty sure that song. I think it's Moonshadow. I used to sing that to myself, but I don't know, this is weird. Sing Bone Shadow instead, and so that's, that's a, the you current can evolution. Sing to me. That's Bone, fine. No, I was singing to myself. Okay. Hang on, let's just check it. But yeah, that's how uh, we eventually arrived at uh, Bone Shadow. And over the course of years, I'm sure it'll uh, evolve again. I gotta say, I like Bone Shadow. Yep, Moon Shadow, song by Cat Stevens. Yeah. So, all of your listeners out, out there, just go and pull up uh, Moon Shadow by Cat Stevens, but <laughs> you sing Bone Shadow when he does the chorus. I'm gonna have. I don't know the song, so I gotta look it up. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a good song. It's a nice song, Bones. So a little background on Nate. I know you work at Ferrari's Italian mm-hmm. restaurant. That's true. Which is absolutely delicious. Oh, it's so good. But you also do freelance film production. That's true. And as long as I've known you, you've been into film. But I've mm-hmm. ever, I've never actually asked you what got you into film. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, you don't know that? So I don't know the story behind that. Okay. Well, this is interesting. So what? All right. Interested to you in film and the uh, When I was a little kid, I used to draw. I used to draw pictures. And then, like, when I got into middle school, I would uh, do, like, comic strips. Uh, when I was in eighth grade, I wrote a short story that was, like, 40 pages long. And uh, my science teacher, Mr. Foley, told me that it read like a screenplay. So in ninth grade, my freshman year of high school, that was the year we had to do an assessment at the half-year mark and the end of the school year. And for the half-year mark... Uh, I did a, a video, I did a film, and that was the first time that I saw, that was the, it was all the stuff I liked about the drawing, and that I could, you know, pick the angles and the pictures, I could pick the words, I could do yep. a, a, the writing, it was all of those things, like, rolled into one, and uh, yeah, that was, I was like, what, Jesus, 20 years ago, that's 1997, where I'm like, yeah, this is the thing, this is the thing for me, so. Wow, we're getting up there. Yeah, yeah, it's scary, <laughs> isn't it? And, uh, I remember... Back when we lived in Albany, mm-hmm. or when I lived there briefly with the other fellas, mm-hmm. you recorded scenes mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Revelations, yeah. which was your movie at the time. Yeah, that was a big project. one. Yeah, that was what, which 2003? Was yeah, that was a good time. What were 
Well, obviously, you just talked about how you got into it. Mm-hmm. What are some of your favorite movies, then? Oh, God. Uh, Magnolia, I think, is still my favorite movie. Really? Paul Thomas Anderson, 1999. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's like a big, sprawling mosaic about people in the San Fernando Valley. But that was the first time I can remember being in a movie theater and sitting there and losing all, all sense of space and time. You know, I was not in a room looking at a screen. Like, I was there. I was absorbed. I was in it. And that was also the, the first piece of media I ever saw that, you know, that whole thing is about connections and people and, you know, how close your lives revolve with other people's and you don't realize it. And that, uh, that was the first time my eyes were open to the, the scope of the human condition. Like, so many connections, so many things. Like, it's just crazy. The enormity of this business of living. But, uh, yeah, that was the first one. Uh, Magnolia. What else? Um, oh, brother, where art, where art thou? Nineteen ninety nine was a huge year. For See, me I, re- movies. I remember the movies, but those are two I have not seen. Um, Fight Club. Fight Club. Fight I Club saw. was a really big one. Um, Almost Famous, I really liked. Never, of course, I remember it, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, was, they're good movies. Uh, what else? Of course, you know the big ones like Back to the Future. Oh. My God, tried to learn how to ride a skateboard because I'm Marty McFly. I was in a. I went to a Comic Con a couple weeks ago. And there was a Marty McFly impersonator Ooh. with the DeLorean. Really? And it was wonderful. I went to breakfast two Sundays ago, and there was a DeLorean parked in the parking lot, and it was the best part of the experience. <laughs> I'm even keeping the French toast in mind. What else? Uh, Big Lebowski, obviously. The dude. Yeah, those two, like counterculture stuff, especially when I was a kid. Um, as I said, almost famous. Uh, Fight Club, you know, you are, you are not your khakis. You know, almost famous when he's calling uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Lester Bangs and Lester Bang advises him. Lester Bangs advises him. You will meet all of these people again on their long journey to the middle. <laughs> we were not to go off topic since no, I please. already started, That's and fine. I meant to bring this up first. But mm. we were talking before the show, mm. and I'd love to hear about your McDonald's experience last night. I have a very hard time with uh, <laughs> fast food. Um, we, have, we typically when we go to eat or we get stuff delivered. Well, or, th- this is. After a few drinks? Well, true, but I'm just saying in general. Like, I'm always shorted, I'm always shafted. If one person's going to be, you know, denied their food, it's always me. Um, and especially lately, as I mentioned to you before, I don't deal with it as well as I used to. I'd like to, I'd like to think that I'm passive-aggressive, but I think in a number of these things, I'm just aggressive when I feel <laughs> marginalized. And I'm not, I'm not a big one to yell at service workers, you know, like I don't... I'm not See, cool I try to be... Super nice to them because I worked in a McDonald's when I was 15. Yeah, well, I work in food so, service too. I know you, how frustrating that is. Yeah. And also, like, they see your food before you do. So, you know, don't give them a reason to do anything to it. Oh, yeah. Same thing as, like, a barber. Don't piss off your barber. You know, he's got a razor and scissors and he's standing behind you. So there's no reason, Those to, are get rules his, to, live by. No reason to get on his bad side. But yeah, we, I was out carousing last evening and um, we uh, stopped on the way home uh, to get some uh, McDonald's. Uh, the 24-hour drive-through, and uh, was unequivocally just the the worst fast food experience I'd ever had. Terribly disorganized, made us wait. We ordered the food at 3:25. In the morning. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. 2:25 in the morning. Yes. I and mean, it wasn't even that big of an order. It was a Big Mac. It was a couple of double cheeseburgers, uh, some nuggets thrown in there for good measure. And uh, we waited an inordinate amount of time for the food. Say the better part of 15, 20 minutes. Got the food, immediately checked it. Uh, was not, not the right order, not even close. None of the stuff was ours. Uh, so we looped around, and there was nobody. At that point, I don't know if they had shut down or gone on break or what. They, also, also, first thing when we get there, they say they're not accepting credit cards, <laughs> only cash. So, like, off the rip, like, there, there, were, good start. there were bumps. There was there a time bumps. where I pulled up to Taco Bell, and they told me they were out of beef. I don't understand how that happens. I don't either. But That's then, their no. main product. Well, I was, no, I was reading articles... About Subway and how when Subway first introduced the $5 footlong, the demand was, was so crazy that they couldn't keep bread in stock, that the people that were working this, you have to be baking bread constantly. Well, there's a reason they don't do it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, they phased that out, unfortunately. Um, when I was living in California, you know, those $5 footlongs were new, it was all the rage, and that was very cost effective. Um, so I ate a tremendous amount of meatball marinara. Um, <laughs> Like the Italian mix, all that stuff they have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and long and short of the story is that now, when I walk into a subway, that, that smell of a subway, I feel like 
broke in life, like <laughs> counting, like, oh, it's come to this, counting quarters for a $5 foot long. So back to McDonald's. Uh, go back to the window. There's nobody there. They, they did not handle it well. And at the end of the day, the end of the story, um, we did not, they, they had given our food to somebody else, given the, the guy in front of us his food. Everybody was mad. The gentleman in front of me had ordered $40 worth of food, and he wanted to fight me for the food as if I had taken his food. I said, no. They opened the window. I t- was in the bag. Yeah. Very constantly happens at yes. drive-through restaurants exactly. where people take other people's food. Yes, but the most upsetting part of it is the response from the staff is that they were just they were confrontational and they were rude. I've never had somebody take my money, give me the wrong thing, deny me service, and then yell at me for it. <laughs> They're like, "You drove away." I'm like, "That's the way it works. You open the window and give me the bag. I drive away. The transaction's been completed." Do they expect you to sit there and go through everything? See, I think it's rude when they give me the food to open the bag in front of them and check it because I feel like that's I feel saying the same to way. you, "I, I don't like trust it- you." I feel like it's insulting. The exactly. Yes, but then they chided me last night for not doing it. So I don't know. Up is down. Black is white. Which is which? God only knows. So anyway, the most upsetting part of this, as I said, their response was wrong. They were very rude. Um, and at one point, they I, they were yelling at me. So I started recording it, and uh, the manager there, who was a female, told me that she was going to call the police because I was sexually harassing her, and this upset me tremendously. Wow. I was not. There was no no sexual harassment. I even said that. This has nothing to do with you being a woman. It's with you taking my money and not giving me the thing. And I wasn't, you know, I, I wasn't being offensive or loud. I was just very plainly stating my case at the window, the window two of the drive-through. <laughs> and what bothers me about this is that I am a big, a big supporter of the Me Too movement. Nobody should feel uncomfortable. Nobody should be victimized. Nobody should be taken advantage of. And this was the first time I'd seen somebody th- misusing it. Like, I don't like what you're saying, so I'm going to say sexual harassment. No, just put the cheeseburgers in the bag. Like, <laughs> and there were leg- legitimate people out there, you know, who have a claim to this. And you, you know, Mindy, the third shift manager at McDonald's, are abusing the privilege and standing on the shoulders of people that have a legitimate gripe. After they handed you the wrong food. Well, the, yeah, well at this point, no, the burgers are the least small part of it. <laughs> but yeah, as I said, um, as an adult... Uh, my new thing is I feel like when I feel like I'm being marginalized, marginalized, especially once I've metabolized some alcohol, I tend to pop off, which is uh, incongruous with some of the other aspects of me because I do consider myself a very mild-mannered person. But, as long uh, yeah. as I've known you, you've always been quite pleasant. When you deny me things. <laughs> <laughs> there will be hell to pay. When you deny me things, sometimes I get upset. I've been doing it a lot at work lately. Um, you know, just... <laughs> there was an elderly gentleman just the other day where I, w- I was waiting tables and um, I'm by myself and I'm setting tables in the dining room and uh, I go to a table that I've just set up and I see that the napkins are gone and I know that I put napkins in all the tables and there is a, a party of six elderly gentlemen in the middle of the dining room okay okay so I'm, I'm doing my stuff I go to another table another table that I've set up and I see the napkins are gone from that table too and I'm like okay this is not I am not forgetting napkins something else so is they're happening. taking so I'm standing there now I'm watching alright I'm standing by the coffee pot and I'm watching and the old man on the end I see him get up and walk over to a table jacks the napkins off a table and he goes and sits down how many napkins do they need? at this point you're up to six alright now you're 90 years old okay six napkins that's not that big of a deal you know you're gonna (laughs) I was gonna say you're gonna die soon Um, you know enjoy enjoy the napkins while you have while you have the time left yeah but again it's it's bothering me so I can't let it go alright so when I see him sit down this time I take a stack of napkins and I walk over I stand next to him until he notices me and I go hi and he looks at me and I say if you need napkins just ask me you don't have to take them off the tables just ask me which is a very small and petty thing to go to go do to a 90 year old man who just wants to clean his face that's true but as I said I feel marginalized I feel like it's a personal attack you're taking the napkins you're stepping on my job so old man just ask me Look well you me see you see a lot of great stuff like that when you're in I say food service but mm-hmm. I mean to encompass mm-hmm. anything like working in a yeah, bar I'm or picking up what you're putting down yeah mm-hmm. exactly yeah so I know you're filmmaking, though, and this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you. Took you out to California. Yeah. And you got pretty involved in music video production. Yeah. I mean, I was there. Yeah. I was in there with those with, the, with those guys. I was mixing it up, hanging out. So what music videos did you work on then? Or with... There's, the, there's so many, and most of them are, are so small. You know, like, 
these right. crazy. I know. I know what you want. I know what you want. <laughs> and I know where you're going. Yeah. You know where I'm going with yeah. this because I got to ask you about Blake Shelton. Mm-hmm. And oh, my buddy Blake. Good old Blake. Yep. I don't watch The Voice, but I've seen enough clips to get the impression he'd be like a fun guy to hang out with. Well, that's what, what's fun about that is that sometimes I'll be doing things and they'll, they'll run a clip or a promo for The Voice. And I'm like, oh, that's my buddy Blake. My buddy Blake Shelton. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, so many so many things that you, you do in your life, so many places that you go and the, the things that you are and are not. You know, I think about myself sometimes and, you know, Sometimes in your weaker moments you feel small, you know, like, uh, but then I remember these things, you know, like, oh, you did this, you did this, you did this. Um, you know, one of my best music video experiences out there, I was a PA, which, um, production in, assistant, yes, but that's the equivalent, you know, in the entertainment industry, that's the equivalent of being a busboy, which is fine, everybody's got to start someplace. But uh, I was a PA on a, on a Blake Shelton music video, and, um, I was friendly with the first AD, and he liked my vibe and trusted me, so he posted me up with Blake Shelton. And I got to spend the day with Blake Shelton. And yes, Blake Shelton is as pleasant and as affable <laughs> as you would expect him to be. And as drunk. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, not, not obnoxiously so. No, he had no, like no. he had three friends with him that were with him all day. And uh, they were just drinking beers casually. Mr. Shelton had a flask. He would nip every now and then. Um, and they were just very pleasant. The first real... <laughs> my first favorite memory was Blake Shelton. <laughs> in the back of the truck with him. So Blake is driving, his buddy's riding shotgun, his other friend is in the like the driver's side back seat. So you're you're basically there giving them cues. I have over to walking, yes, right? yes. When when the director calls action, the first AD will put it on the radio and I relay to Blake action. Uh, so there's the three of them are sitting there. I am in the back seat behind the passenger seat, ducking down as low as I can get so the camera can't catch me. Blake is driving. You know, we're not driving yet, we're stopped, but Blake is in the driver's seat and he looks back at me and says, What the hell are you doing? I said, well, Mr. Shelton, I have to get down as low as I can so the camera won't pick me up. And uh, he turns to his friend in the front seat and goes, well, go on, mess with him. (laughs) So his friend in the front seat turns around, and his buddy in the back seat turns to me, and they both start tickling me in the back seat. Now, at this point, the director calls action. The first AD calls action over the radio, and they're going, Nathan, action, 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 and nothing is happening. Blake Shelton's not moving because I can't touch the radio because his two friends are tickling me. (laughs) So finally I had to stop and explain, sorry, we can go now. They were tickling me. And he laughed the whole time. So great. you explained that to the video's director? Well, not the, the first AD, and it was relayed. Oh. But yeah, he had a, Mr. Shelton was laughing. He had a very nice time. And then my second favorite instance, we were sitting there together under, what are those trees called? The weeping willow tree? Like the ones that are like flowing down? Sound, I'm going to say that sounds right. All right, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. So he and I are under a weeping willow tree, and his wife, his wife was in like three shots. So her and two other women, they're filming. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. This was back when he was married. Yes, yes. So they're filming whatever, and I'm just posted up with him because he'll wander. If he's not attended, he will wander and just go <laughs> talk to people and do things. So I'm standing with him, and uh, we're watching his wife shoot, and the wind is blowing through the trees. And uh, very casually, he turns to me, and he says, This wind is sucking my dick. <laughs> and I say, Yes, it is, Mr. Shelton. Yes, it is. Because when in doubt, Bone Shadow, agree. You agree, agree with the talent. Exactly. We'll agree with everybody, basically. Well, <laughs> <laughs> tell them what they want to hear, Bones. You always tell people what they want to hear. You tell anybody's listening for anyway. Um, what else did you work? I know you worked with Blake Shelton. Did you? You yep. worked at with Panic at the Disco too, right? I did. You know what? What? Oh, here's something super, super interesting. Um, we're gonna go in a number of different directions here. Um. Hugh Jasmine just put out a new movie, Christmas Time. Um, Who is it? Hugh Jasmine, the actor that. Oh, Hugh Jackman. Sorry. Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I like to call okay. him Hugh Jasmine. Hugh Jasmine. Yeah. Hugh, Hugh Jasmine. Uh, Hugh Jackman uh, did the. He was in The Greatest Showman. Yeah. And that came out uh, Christmas Time. Yep. Um, and I wanted to see it, but I didn't. Um, and I just recently checked it out. And uh, I don't know how good of a movie it is necessarily. I haven't seen it yet. I really like it. There's a couple of things in there that really speak directly to your old friend Nathan, and I enjoy the hell out of it. And there's one scene in particular, about 37 minutes in, where uh, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron have a little song and dance number together in yep. a bar. Um, and there's a bartender in the background of the scene that is awesome. Just every time I would tell people to watch, I watched the scene like 30 times. I told people to watch it. When I told the people to watch it, I told them, you know, pay attention to the bartender in the background. He's awesome, super cool. Um, and like the 37th time I watched it, I'm looking at the guy and I'm like, Son of a bitch, this guy looks familiar. 
and I googled it, and the guy that plays the bartender is this guy, Daniel Cloud Campos, who is a dancer and a choreographer, but also a director that I was a PA on his set a number of times. Really? Yes. And that was crazy for me, because that's the first time that I found something in the world that was one of my favorite things, that I'm like, oh, I really connect to this, and I like this, and this speaks to me. And then found out later that I actually had a personal connection to it. I know somebody who actually was involved in the making of one of my favorite things. And that's the first time that's ever happened to me. I've never known, like, you know, I've known people that have made things and I've loved things from afar, but I've never, never been able to be like, oh, I can correlate these two things together. I know somebody tangentially who had their hand in something that really touched me. And that was a big deal. And I called, I called uh, Jay Colon to tell him. He's like, yeah, I knew he was in that. I'm like, you're, you're, you're not getting it. You're missing the gravity, the effect it's having on me. I know, um, let me ask you this. I know we're big into music. We've always been big Third Eye Blind fans. Mm -hmm. What goes into, when you were doing your filmmaking, mm -hmm. what goes into deciding music in your movies or that's production? Really, that's an interesting question. Because um, I thought this was something, I always thought this was something I might be able to nail, like being the guy that comes up with the soundtracks. Or finding the music for certain scenes. See, what's crazy for me is that I have a very strange relationship with music in that regard. Because I only, and I don't want to, it's not like I don't have an appreciation for music. But I listen to music in terms of like how I can use it. You know, like when I'm going for bike rides and stuff and I'm listening to play mix, uh, playlists, like making mixes for myself. In, in my head, it's almost like a trailer. It's like a movie. Like, I don't know how other people listen to music, like what it pushes for them. I'm, I'm listening to, like, beats and cuts. I'm not going to lie. I listen to it the same way a lot of times. Yeah, see, I don't, like, stuff, even stuff that affects me, stuff that pushes me, like a song that will make me emotional. I'm like, oh, man, this would work really well as, like, an under, you know, underneath the scene for these things. So other people... You know, that are like, oh man, just I'm all about the music. Like, I don't, and not in a negative way. Like, I just, I don't understand how they're internalizing it. I, I want to learn. I, I want to be on that page. Because as I, I can, uh, this is something I found out recently too. Like, Cars too. Cars, music, right away. I can listen to a song for 30 seconds. And I'm like, okay, I like this song. I like this artist. Yeah. And I can look at a car and be like, Bleh. okay, yeah, that's the one for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way. What did, I forgot what I was listening to the other, last night. Actually, because it was Cinco de Mayo and mm -hmm. I already had some margaritas. But I, 30 seconds in, I'm like, I like this. I'm yep. going to look up the rest of the band. Yep. And, of course, now I can't remember it. One of my favorite things, too, is um, like you find the new band, you find the album, you're like, oh, I like this. And like your first pass through, you know, when it's still new to you, you know, like I love track one, four, seven. Two years from now, you know, once it's become a part of you, you'd be like, oh, like now 5, 11, and 9 are my favorites. The way that your taste changes and things grow. As I said... I can listen to something for 30 seconds and know how I feel about it. But also, on the other end, sometimes, like, over time, things grow on you and you're like, man, like, I disliked this, you know, three years ago. And now, out of all the tracks on this album, this is the one that speaks to me most. So I guess that's also a part of, you know, like, you're growing and changing in you as a person, how you evolve. But, uh, interesting. Interesting stuff. It really is. I can't play... Well, I know, I could... I was decent at rock band drums. <laughs> I don't, All of the rock band nights, yes. See, as creative as I can be, I don't know how you write music. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know how you come up with beats or rhythms or any of that. And that's, I think that would be very interesting, to talk to somebody who could clearly explain to you, like, oh, well, I'm sitting there, and like I hear a... And then I just like flesh See, that out. And... I'd love to have the talent, but I don't. Because I feel like in my head, sometimes I get those beats. I'm like, I could turn this into a song if I had talent, of course. Mm -hmm but I can't ever get it out. See, I can do that with the, the filming stuff. Is that I, I can, that's one of the few times in life that I feel competent, and that I can look at something and I know the way to cover it, to shoot it, to put the pieces together. But like, that's my niche, that's my angle. Like this, I can't play anything, I don't know how to write music, I can't read music, I can't do, like I don't... I can read it up to an extent, and that's about it. I really wish I could play, if I could play instruments, I wish I could play piano. Wish I could do the drums, guitar, everybody wants well, to be a guitar player. Piano is kind of the gateway instrument. Really? Yeah. Well, at least that's what I've always heard. I thought tambourine was a gateway instrument. Just warm up to... Real easy. Anybody can do it. Put the taste in your mouth, and from there you're like, I want to evolve this. Um, but pianos work too, I guess. I've never heard tambourine, but I'll go mm. with that. So, I also remember the time where, back when I was working third shift, and had oh, a legitimate yes. full-time job, yep. on the day shift, mm -hmm. at least... Yep. Sending up a tea time mm -hmm. for We Golf yep. at like 7 a.m. Yep. 
after I had worked all night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have to say, it's difficult in New York to find a place where they will serve you or let you buy booze mm-hmm. on a Sunday morning at yep. 7 a.m. Yep. Happened to explain to my mother, my whole, Bones and I have a tea time. I'm going to get in the lift, <laughs> 7 o'clock, Sunday morning, sit there. It was a beautiful thing. That, uh, all that stuff with the Wii, when the Wii was new. You know, like the motion stuff, it seemed like the future had finally arrived, and then all those things just died. Um, do you do any VR? Any? I don't have any VR yet. Are you interested in it at all? I'm interested. It's funny, I work with a guy that has the VR. Which one? Do you know? The, the Vive, the Oculus, the Rift? Uh, Sony. Okay. Oh. Yeah, for this, oh. For his PlayStation. Ooh. He's got the okay. Sony VR. Okay. He was playing one game one time, and he told me that the cat brushed up against his leg in like mm-hmm. a tense moment. And yeah. Of course, he has the headset on, so he mm-hmm. can't see anything. Mm-hmm. And freak the yeah, heck that out. Would, that would terrify me. Yeah. I'm like, I've got two dogs. Yeah. It's hard to put on a VR headset yeah. for hours at a time. Yes. And not be able to know what's going on. Yeah. Well, that's um, our good friend Roland. Um, is very very interested in VR, and uh, wants to push it. Wants to you know, wants to get all the, the best VR stuff out there. And I said, I think your tether to reality is on the edge as it is you do not need another universe to invest in let's invest more in this one right here like no more false realities but yeah technology is advancing at such a rate like stuff you can do in our like I have okay um got a new tablet that I can draw on yep and uh it's super responsive and uh like it just it's it, crazy um iWatches you know you can speak into your your wrist yep um uh with uh my phone I can take video at 1080p, like blistering, beautiful quality, upload it to the cloud, drop it into a timeline to edit. All of the things that we have now are science fiction dreams that I had when I was five years old. Like I wanted to call people on my watch. I wanted to have like a book that would update every day and like have new, and it's happening now. I didn't think about that, but they really are. Yeah. I mean like all, remember Inspector Gadget? And, like, Penny had that book where she could do stuff and, like, brain could talk out of the collar and the car. I thought all that stuff was so cool. All we need now is the extendable limbs. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and the car that can go from, like, a van to, like, a sedan. Like, But most of it's right there. We're living in a golden age. All the video game stuff, all the media stuff, TV. Like, it's just crazy. It really is. Let me ask you this. Working at Ferraris. Mm Mm-hmm. Or even out in Cali. Really plugging the hell out of that Ferraris, huh? Well... Good for them. Hey, if it turns into free Italian food. Well, yeah, well, yeah. They need the publicity, that's for sure. No, they definitely don't. They're <laughs> everywhere. Go on. Go on. What is some of the um, craziest or funniest stuff you've seen running the bar there? Hmm. That's a good question. I've had a lot of weird experiences there. Uh, here's an interesting one you might like. Uh, when I first came back there like three years ago after my mom had a heart attack, um, you know, I was rusty. So I was bartending by myself in the afternoon, and I had to call Joe Ferrari for something, and I couldn't remember Joe Ferrari's home phone number. And so I called him, like, three times, and I evidently called the number, like, one number off. So the third time that I call, somebody answers the phone, and they're like, hello? And I'm like, hi, I I think I have the wrong number. I'm looking to speak to my boss, Joe Ferrari. And the guy's like, yeah, you keep calling. This is a crime scene. This is a live crime scene. There's a dead body here. So what? there's got to be, like, there's something up with this. So you called you know. Ferraris and they said it was a live crime scene? No, I, I was calling from Ferraris. I was calling the boss's house. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, so I'm at work calling from the restaurant, calling Joe Ferrari at home. But, you know, the, the number is like, you know, 4569. I was dialing 4567. Like, I was, I was a num- one number was wrong. So this man answers and says, why do you keep calling? And I say, I'm sorry, sir. Um, I'm trying to get a hold of my boss. I've evidently dialed the wrong number. And he says, this is a live crime scene. There's a dead body here. There's got to be, um, it's, it, there's a reason that you're calling. We need to talk to you. We're going to send a black and white to where you are. What? Don't call here anymore. So he gives me, you know, wh- what's your address? So I tell him the address. If he'd the asked restaurant? Me, yes. If he asked me for my social security number, I would have told him that too. So I hang up the phone and I stand there behind the bar sweating bullets for two and a half hours waiting for the black and white to show up to interrogate me, all right? Finally, I talk to the other Ferrari brother, Big A, and he's like, yeah, I would go home. That sounds like horse shit. I don't think anybody's coming. And yeah, I, I Googled it. It's a meme. It's something people do. Like if a telemarketer keeps calling you, then you answer it and say, this is a live crime scene. There's a dead body here. You know, this is Sergeant, you know, Johansson. You know, who's your, who am I speaking to? And then they hang up and don't call you anymore. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I've done that, but I've answered the phone and said, who is 
who's asking? I'm like, oh, he's dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So don't call back. Oh, that's crazy. Um, so I feel like one of these days that's going to backfire on me. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually um, it'll be true. I don't know. What are the, I, have, I have so many different... Inter- you're going to edit this, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I have so many different restaurant things. I'll cut out whatever I want. I found um, Mama Rose, the matriarch. I found her dead. What? Yeah, you don't know that? No. Yes. Uh, her house was attached right to the back of the building. Of Ferraris? Yes. Okay. Um, so she lived right there. And... Um, I don't know this would be good to put people are dying over there but uh, yeah I came in I was 7 minutes late to work it was a Saturday afternoon I get in there at the 7 after 3 and I would always go in her house her and I had a really good relationship actually I don't know how much is, if you can use when I tell you this story anyway the night before she passed away um, we had a really big fight uh, a big enough fight I guess okay um, she would live in the back and she would call the restaurant and ask me, like, make me a martini, make me a white Russian, send somebody to get me a chicken sandwich. Like, she would ask for things, and it was my responsibility to facilitate them. I gotta say, if I'm at the point where I can just call somebody to order a drink, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm living the dream. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you've won. You won, Ma. <laughs> you won. So, uh, this one day she calls, the day before she passes away, she calls the bar, and um, the, the young kid that I was training at the time, Raymond, he answers the phone and uh, takes the call and hangs up, and he says to me, she wants a hamburger from McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's again. Plug in McDonald's twice. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, she goes, uh, Raymond says, she wants a hamburger from McDonald's. And I said, she wants a hamburger from McDonald's? And uh, he says, yes, she wants a plain hamburger from McDonald's, which does not sound like something she would want. So oh, I, just I go, the meat and buns. I go back into the house, and I'm like, what do you want? And she's like, I, I want a hamburger from McDonald's. And I'm like, you want a plain hamburger? And she's like, I want a hamburger with the, with the Italian accent. I'm like, okay, just a plain hamburger. Because I'm going to call your daughter-in-law. I'm going to call Colleen. And she's going to have to stop and get you this hamburger. So I want to make sure you want it. And she's like, yes, I want the hamburger. So I go outside. I go back back to the restaurant. And uh, I call Colleen. I'm like, listen, you have to stop on your way. You need to get a, a hamburger for your mother-in-law. She wants a hamburger. And Colleen goes, she wants a hamburger? Mm-hmm. I go, yeah, she wants a plain hamburger from McDonald's. And Colleen says, that doesn't sound like something. And I, I understand that. I've already gone over and double-checked it. She wants a plain hamburger from McDonald's. Just please get the hamburger. Okay. So it takes Colleen like 45 minutes. As a matter of fact, different McDonald's, but the Scotia McDonald's. Colleen has an ordeal and a half at the Scotia McDonald's. It takes forever and a day for, her, for Colleen to show up at the job with these plain hamburgers from McDonald's. Okay. <laughs> she walks in with the hamburgers. All right. In the meantime, Rose called, I'm sorry, Mama Rose called the other daughter-in-law and asked for hamburger meat. So while Colleen is waiting at the McDonald's, somebody else went and bought hamburger meat, brought it to the restaurant, they made her a hamburger. Colleen shows up an hour later with a bag of hamburgers. Mama Rose is already eating a hamburger, okay? (laughs) So Colleen is livid. Colleen walks to the bar and says to me, nobody ever call me and ask me for things again. I go out of my way, I fight the McDonald's people, I get these hamburgers, I get here, she's already eating a hamburger. So I feel responsible, because I'm the one that called Colleen and made her get the hamburger. So I go marching back into this 90-year-old woman's house, all right, and I kick the door open, and I go, what is your goddamn problem? You're driving everybody crazy with these hamburgers. You got Colleen crazy. You got Rose crazy. You got me crazy. Don't ask me for any more hamburgers ever again. You want a hamburger, you figure it out yourself. Slam the door, walk away. Immediately feel guilty yelling at the old lady for no reason. Of course. So I go to the bar. I'm out there at the bar. She calls the bar, and Raymond says she wants to see you. So I go back there, all right, and I walk in the house, and I open the door, and I'm like, hi. And she's like, listen, you know, listen, you pots, are you crazy? And she explains to me, okay, the hamburger from McDonald's, like, the meat was no good, but the bun was delicious. And the burger that the other daughter-in-law brought her, the meat was great, but the bun was terrible. So she combined the buns from McDonald's and the meat the other one bought her as if to say, it took both of my daughter-in-laws to give me the perfect hamburger. And then she says, do you want a little wine? Which is her way of apologizing, all right? So then the day before she passed away, the last fight her and I ever had, I sat there in the house, sat there in her house after having yelled at her and kicked the door open, and she ate half the hamburger and I ate half the hamburger, and we drank homemade wine, and we watched EWTN, the the Jesus channel, um, you know, the the mass that she used to like, and uh, sat there with her for like 10 minutes, and that, a day later she was gone, and um, that night uh, when I left... Um, I was in a rush. You know, usually I go say goodnight. She'll be in bed. I would go in the house and say goodnight to her. I didn't do it that night. 
But I don't. I, I, I maybe I should feel bad about it. I don't because I'm telling you that that sitting there in the house with her, drinking the wine, watching the mass, eating the stupid hamburger, like out of all the experiences with death I've ever had in my life where I lost somebody, um, that was the best one because I I didn't have any regrets. I had I was stuck with her all day most days, and she was stuck with me, and I knew. I knew that I loved her and she knew I knew that she loved me and she knew that I loved her and that was a good thing that's a pretty good story it was it was and 24 hours later as I said she was gone that was something either I didn't process that for a long time afterward yep because you just you know, I, I was at work too so they all had to go and leave and I had to stay and do that stuff and then people later are like well how are you and I'm like what do you mean and they're like well how are, how are you like you found a I'm like oh oh that is kind of a thing I didn't even think about it like that <laughs> oh I uh, I haven't found anybody that has passed away, mm-hmm. but I used to deliver flowers, and we'd always I'd always have to drop them off at funeral homes mm-hmm. where they were already set up for the service. Yep, that always kind of creeps me out mm-hmm. a little bit because they'd all be I'd walk in there. Of course, no yep. one's there that early, so I go to drop off the flowers. There's the casket there with you know the mm-hmm. top half open. I'm like, I just kind of I'm kind of creeped out. Yeah. Yep. You know what I thought about for the first time the other day? This is not really anything to do with what we're talking about, but it reminded me of this. Uh, when I'm, you're saying that, I'm thinking about just like, you know, you're, you're standing in the room with somebody, you know, like you're dropping the flowers off, but, you know, like here is, you know, the, the shell of a person, you know, and people are coming to mourn that. Uh, tangentially, the thought that I want to tell you about, the house that I grew up in, we built that house. Um, yeah. And I, you know, that's been my family's house since I was, you know, five years old. Oh, is it the... Yep. And um, I, thinking about having moving into like a house that's thirty years old that like four families have already lived in, like sometimes I feel that the effect of human experience is kind of like smoking in a house. Like it will like cigarette smoke stains ceilings. You know, I feel like it absolutely does. Yes, stains the paint. Yes, but I feel like you know living rubs off a little bit and it's just crazy to think about like a house that say you your wife your children buy right and the house is 45 years old and there have been four families that have lived there you know four families you know that had happy times together or you know sorrow somebody passed away you know just the all that like you your experience is only your experience right like what you guys are going to charge that house with but to think of the ebbs and flows of different people's lives over the course of years before you got there trips me out does that make any sense? It absolutely does. A little bit? All right. I'll take that. It's funny because the apartment we live in, we keep getting mail for the woman that lived there mm-hmm. prior before mm-hmm. we did. Yep. I'm like, and clearly the post office doesn't care because mm-hmm. we keep saying she doesn't live here. Yeah. Keep writing return to sender, things yeah. like that, and we still keep getting it. I'm like, maybe she's dead. Yeah. I don't mean that to sound harsh. No. But yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I came across an article, BuzzFeed or someplace, it was a... An essay about this woman who there is a booming trade on eBay to buy people's diaries and journals. Uh, and so this girl that I well, the girl people that, that have passed away not necessarily or just, just no? they're there for sale. And so this woman that wrote the essay bought a series of diaries off of eBay. You know, for like as a matter of fact, she had to pay like a hundred dollars. Like the bidding got in, intense for it. And their journals. So I could theoretically make up anything in a number of journals and try to sell them. Yes, but it doesn't. What's what's that invalidates? Like, okay, she wrote this essay, and it's these journals from like 2002. This woman's life, and it's just, you know, like the woman gets up, she makes coffee, like she has a bowel movement, like she watches TV, like she has a sister that would be rude to her. She had a dog that she loved. What's crazy about it is you don't know if she's alive or dead, but all the tiny details of a person's existence combined over the course of years like by the end of it when the girl got to the end of the diary she was very emotional because even though there's stupid little things you become invested and also like thinking about the kind of person the kind of woman who has the diligence to keep a diary about like bowel movements and things like that like what is your life like what do you have what do you don't that this is such a priority and um that the woman that wrote the essay about buying the diaries was very affected by it. And to your point, if you were just to fabricate those things, you know, that, that defeats the purpose. Like, it, Well, clearly it does, but I feel like yeah. it could be done. It could definitely be done, yeah. And I'm sure there'd be a, a whole huge market for that. But I bet the other way, like, I guess there is some kind of hope to imagine, like, 
put it in this perspective. You're a lonely person. You're a sad person. You know, you're 65 years old. You got a bad leg. You got two cats, one dog. Nobody cares. And you keep these journals. You do these things. You know, you 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 keep the record for the sake of sake of keeping the record. And after you're gone, 15, 20 years later, somebody finds your stuff and is moved to tears, so affected just by the 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 pathos of your existence. But there's a little bit of hope in that, right? Oh, of course. I'm just thinking of ways to write down gibberish and stuff. Yeah, yeah, make money. That, that's yeah, important yeah. too. Sure. <laughs> that's what the internet is for, Osborne. That's what we have Twitter for. You don't have to write a book and do 140 characters. That is well, isn't it up to 280 now? Yeah, but I thought you had to be like a special celebrity. You had to be like no. I think I'm pretty sure it's okay. Anybody can just now. shout whatever they want. Wow. All I right. know. We're really moving ahead. Are you an Instagram guy? Um. I wasn't until I started this podcast, and then I'm oh, like, you have I, to be. I suppose right. I should yes. start one for okay. this podcast. Um, I took Facebook off my phone. I took Instagram off my phone. I took all the dating apps off my phone, and I feel like I'm a better person for it. However, my feelings frequently betray me and lie to me, but I do feel like it's it's a good change. I mean, I, there are certain things that, yes, I feel there's a benefit. We should be plugged in and connected. People that are having kids across the country, I can see their growth. I can see your stuff. But I feel so many of us use it for for evil. Like, I'm so sick of those shoe fees, the pictures where you're looking down at somebody's shoes. Oh, well. You ever seen somebody take a selfie? It's the saddest thing in the world. They take the picture. They take two <laughs> steps. They look. They back up. They repose. And it, it's take the... sad to watch. Yes. I, yes. And I also, I'm like, there's only so much of people's food I can stand. Oh my like, okay. god, yes, jeez. Well, let me ask this. You work at a working at a restaurant and mm-hmm. bar. How mm-hmm. often do you see people do All that? the time. And my immediate reaction when they do it is, it doesn't even look that good. Like, what are you? <laughs> Come on, that's how low you're at this. Put something in front of you, you got to take a picture? Jesus. But also, like, you know, with like the, the event videography stuff and like I see... Everybody wants pictures, and everybody gets pictures, and they're like, pictures, yep. pictures. Also, like, here's something I feel about pictures lately, too. Pictures you have displayed in your house, like, oh, here we are on vacation in front of the... What is the point of that picture? You remember that moment. You know, it's, yeah. not, it's not to remind both of you. It's to show everybody else how great your lives are. Like, absolutely. oh, look at well, yeah, it. us, he's this, he's that. That is absolutely part of it. I try my best not to take too many pictures. That's or... like, now if it's important, I'm going to try real hard yeah. to remember this. Yeah, I'll take like one picture and then just try to enjoy yes. the rest of it. Cause... Well, that's, um, I have this fight about sunsets all the time. Like, I remember very specifically standing on the Santa Monica Pier in Los Angeles, and there was a beautiful sunset in front of me, and I turned around. It's same thing as a concert. Nobody is looking. Everybody is on their phones trying to, what, oh, what, yeah. what are you going to do with that? Like, you know, what, what point do you ever, hey, stop, I'm feeling a little low. I want to open my phone and look at this fantastic picture of a sunset. I do it like four or five times a day. It charges me up. Nobody says that. Nobody does that. It's like when you go to a concert now, too, and you yes. see everyone holding their phones yes. out, taking videos. 110%. Like, yep. When are you going to go back and look at this? There is um, something, I, I was an article I was reading about that where it was like uh, some filmmaker, maybe Jonathan Demme, Spike Jones, somebody like that, somebody prol- prolific, was shooting a concert. And... Um, as they're there, like, you know, everybody in the crowd has got their phones out. And the guy that was writing the article says, like, like, listen, be present. Enjoy the moment. You've got a top-shelf filmmaker shooting the concert. Have faith in them that they're going to find the best angle to shoot, you know, whoever. Better than you, you know, halfway back in the auditorium with your damn phone. Oh, like, yeah. You know, just just enjoy. And that's, the, that's literally, that's the, this whole problem. The, the food stuff, uh, the concert stuff, like... Everybody is so much more concerned with showing everybody else what they're doing as opposed to just enjoying where it is right here, right now. I don't want to do what we're doing. I want everybody else to give me credit for what we're doing. I want people to be impressed by what we're doing. It's not enough that we're doing it. So we're, wrap- we're approaching the point where I like to wrap these things up. So I want to uh, – I've been having a problem trying to decide how to close out these podcasts. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I, have an, I have an idea. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Enlighten me. All right, I think what we should do is for the end of it, okay, each of you guys, whoever you're interviewing, okay, okay, you should order the signature beer of the bar, okay, okay? like what they think is their best beer, what they're most famous for, whatever, okay, each of you take a sip, all right, comment to each other on how it reacts on your palate, okay, and then each of you take your full beer and throw it at the wall, Ooh. and then at the sound of the shattering, you... End of the podcast. That's a wonderful idea. I think so, yes. I feel like 
there's some logistics in the way. Yeah. I feel like there's some logistics. I feel yeah. like that would eventually limit the number of places where I could try I, to yeah, record. Eventually, that would work against you. It would. How about this? I feel I, like word would get out there where, like, don't let this guy try to record a podcast. Yeah. He'll throw shit at the yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could work against you. Yeah. But, I mean, you're looking for ideas, and I think it's a hell of a start. Like, Oh, it's a fantastic jumping off point. Yeah, right there. Exactly. Yeah. And as much fun as that would be to try, yeah. I'm not going to try that today. Some of the merit, some of the talk about, you know, trying the signature beer and all that, I thought that was, a, I was making it up as I went. Sounded better as it was coming out of my mouth. I just wanted to throw a glass at the wall. So, <laughs> you can take as much of that as you want. That's for you. I kind of want to throw a glass at the wall. So do I. I'm yeah. not going to. No. No. Don't start. Well, hey, you know what? Once you get home, all bets are off. It's, it's there you true. go. I'll do it when I get home. Yep. Kick the door open. Pa-pow. And smashing glasses. So, I'm just going to wrap up with two questions. Sure. Uh, Let's so, wrap it up. Yes. First, let's say it's the end of the night. Mm-hmm. You have a dollar or two in your pocket. Uh-huh. Just enough time to play one more song on the jukebox. Ooh. What that's is, a good question. It is. What's your go-to song or band? Where Where are we? Does that matter? Yes, it does. It matters where we are and how many people are in the bar. Packed bar. Packed bar. Okay. Easy answer to this. Okay. Okay. Um, our good friend, you know him too, Matt Sitters. Oh, good old one Sitters. Of, one of the first things, one of the first important lessons Sitters ever taught me, all right? We were at the bar, Union Inn, okay? That's how far back we're going. Yep. The old Union Inn. Also right, right here in Schenectady. Yes. Back in the days when the online jukebox was new and exciting. Ooh. Like, oh, we can now you take it for yep. granted. Spotify, it Apple Music. Yeah, yep. Absolutely. Sitters told me in that situation, okay, where you're in a full bar packed with people, all right, and you want to get the crowd on their feet, you got one song to play. You play "Living on a Prayer" because every girl in that bar will know the words to "Living on a Prayer," <laughs> and he was not wrong. Uh, that does not surprise me. No, nope. that makes perfect sense. Yep, yep. So there's a lot of songs that I like that I, you know, if, if I'm blackout wasted at the end of the night, it's me by myself. That, that's a different song. But if you're asking me the go-to bar song like that, yeah, "Living on a Prayer" is. Well, the then, no, all right. Let me ask this: What if you're you have been there for a while and it's already played? Oh, well, okay. Well, that's not why you Because going? that's not unreasonable. Well, I'm going to tell you what I would do. Especially is if it's a karaoke bar. I would sulk off the bat because I'm like, somebody beat me to the living on a prayer punch and I would be disappointed. Um, what are some other good ones? There's so many good songs, especially for late drunk nights like that. Um, you know what I like? Especially when the bar is... Okay, so you're really drunk, so you're like at Manhattan, something like... Okay, yep. a divey bar toward the end of the evening when people are leaving. I like a little Billy Joel. Okay. Um, She's Always a Woman is a good Ooh. one. That is a good one. Um, what else? Oh, Piano Man. Oh, my God. Piano Man reminds me of Brett, if you can imagine that. Really? Yes. Yep. Why? I don't know. Uh, I, actually, I do know. We were in high school. And Brett had a mix, and Piano Man was on the mix. And this and is, I, of course, a friend of Nathan's. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, that's not clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I associate that song, like the opening piano keys of that, with like winter in high school, gray days, super super cold. Sit at the bar and put bread in my jar and say, "Man, what are you doing here?" <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So, follow up question. Please. Best hangover cure that you've discovered in your. Legal time of drinking. Oh I man! Say. All right. Well, unfortunately, um, if anything, yeah, everybody wants something pithy. You know, like people say grease. They're like, oh, you gotta get like you know maca root in this. Like, no, nothing. Especially as I get older, nothing works. I have like two day hangovers now when I get really, really bad. You know what works? For I me? used to be that bad. I just my body's gotten to the point where it just tells me to stop. Well, that's I'm, the only thing that works for me is sleep, ibuprofen, and water. Like that's. <laughs> Say you do this, you know, you have like, you know, this crazy shot, you drink in the morning, you know, you have a greasy breakfast, none of that works for me. See, the, the greasy food seems to be a common theme amongst people yeah, but I don't, trying to cure a hangover. But I feel like if you have a really bad Saturday and everybody's going out for breakfast on Sunday, like you're going to eat greasy food, like there's no, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. That's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like, oh, you know, also a lot of, also, a lot of people too, like just put something in their stomach makes you feel a little bit better. I feel like when I get really bad, like... It's like a five-alarm fire. That's why it takes me two days to recover. So it doesn't matter what I'm going to do to myself. Like food, exercise, none of that matters. Your body just needs to repair because you've done tremendous damage. Unnecessary, tremendous damage. See, I, uh, it was funny because there was a while there back when I could, my body could actually handle mm-hmm. going out and mm-hmm. drinking excessive mm-hmm. amounts. Mm-hmm. Where three o'clock the next day, that was like the switch for me. Wow. It was like the flipping point where really? I went from feeling like garbage to, all right, I'm starting to feel better. 
See, what'll happen to me is I will pass out, and I'll wake up like four and a half hours later, and I'm like, okay, I don't feel so bad. I feel pretty good. I feel all right. And then, from that point, over the course of the next hour and a half, steadily the hangover starts to grow. Oh. So an hour and a half after I've woken up, I'm like, I can't drive a car. I can't look adults in the face. Like, I need... And then I'll go back to sleep, fall asleep for like three, four hours, wake up, and then just have a standard hangover where I'm like, my body aches and I feel terrible and I made poor choices. So it, it's tiered and it's So only partially like your real life? Well, yeah. Please. <laughs> what is real life anymore, Osborne? This whole thing is a dream. I don't know what's real. <laughs> Uh, all right. I'd like to thank Nate for being here, and sharing anything. some drinks and sharing some stories thank with you. me. Thank you. Yeah. Invite me back. I'll, you will absolutely be back. All right. I'll stay. And uh, <laughs> won't like, leave. <laughs> I'd like to thank anyone out there listening. Thanks for tuning in and checking out the show. You can find stories from a bar uh, on Facebook, on Twitter. How about can, can we end it with me telling everybody how Infinity War ends? Um, no. That would be awesome. That would be so cool. People love spoilers. I bonus. feel like I, I, that would be my first hate mail. You could put a spoiler one. Uh, put the spoiler warning after you got the hate mail. All right. Well, next time we'll, if, we'll ruin something. Next time, can we, can you maybe can you ruin? See, I'm down for ruining something. Yeah, I love just ruining not things. event. <laughs> <laughs> I love destroying things. Just uh, there's nothing like a good destroying. Of stuff. No, no, no. Destroy but I have not seen beautiful. Infinity War yet, so no. Okay. I'm gonna have to deny that one. All right. We'll but scope it out. We'll, we'll figure something out for next yeah, time. We'll ruin something. So as I was saying, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter. Instagram at Stories FAB. Also, you can find the show on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play. Please subscribe and please spread the word. And of course, give us a five star rating. I know you want to. And until next time, cheers. Bye, bombs.